Hi there, everyone. I'm Gwen Jones, and welcome once again to the I'm a Rotarian podcast, the weekly podcast where I introduce you to those amazing people who proudly call themselves Rotarians. Well, this week, I'm talking to Ray Buchanan. Who's Ray Buchanan? Only the founder of Rise Against Hunger. Hmm. Interesting, huh? An organization that is worldwide and working every single day to help stop hunger and starvation. And he's a Rotarian. And with his fellow Rotarians, just a little info, 31 million meals so far that this group has put together with the help of everyday people who proudly call themselves Rotarians. That's right, Ray Buchanan and Rise Against Hunger is my guest this week. And as always, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. It is wonderful to have you with me, or I should say with us, because Ray Buchanan is joining me from Lynchburg, Virginia. We got a little chance to talk about that little space between uh, heaven and uh, Washington, D.C. You'll have to tell me what the direct quote was, Ray. But more importantly, besides the beautiful place that he lives, uh, Ray is the founder of Rise Against Hunger Action Group. And so we're going to talk about those, those, those rotary questions that you all know and love, but we're going to talk a little bit about hunger and how uh, Rotarians are doing their best to uh, help fix that problem that is everywhere in this world. Mr. Buchanan, Mr. Ray, welcome to the podcast. It's so nice to have you. Well, it's nice to be here. And please just call me Ray. I <laughs> don't recognize Mr. Buchanan. I, yeah, well, there you go then. I Deal. answer to hey you most of the time. <laughs> well, since since we're doing this on Zoom and there's only two faces, if there's more than that, if if anybody else shows in, I'll do I'll do a hey you for you. Ray, it's, it's wonderful to have you on the show. And I know we've been talking back and forth, so I'm glad we finally um, got to meet But I want to start with the big question, which is you're here as the founder of Rise Against Hunger. What is Rise Against Hunger? Rise Against Hunger is an international hunger organization. We were founded with a vision of a world without hunger. And Mm. what we still are working at 20 some odd years later is ending hunger in our lifetime. Uh, For me, It started out as a vision because I realized that hunger does not need to exist in the world we live in now. Uh, For me, it's a moral issue. I'm a Christian minister, and that we allow hunger to exist is an obscenity in my understanding. Basically, hunger doesn't need to exist, morally speaking, and scientifically speaking, any scientist you talk to will agree that we have enough food on this planet right now to feed every man, woman, and child. That makes hunger an ethical issue as well. And so what we do at Rise Against Hunger is try to feed all the hungry we can, create sustainable communities where the threat of hunger isn't prevalent. Uh, You know, the big hunger issue is not people dying of starvation. You know, that's the picture we, the image we get. Yeah, I remember as a, as a teenager, it was that devastating uh, part of Ethiopia on that's the African continent. The, that's exactly the Right, the, the bloating babies' me. tummies and the, you know, and we've had starvation in Russia in the 30s. So, I mean, that kind of starvation we do not have in the United States. We don't have that 
in most countries of the world. That is up less than five or 10% of the world's population that will die of starvation. But what kills people is the chronic malnutrition where they never, from the time they're conceived to the time they die, they never get enough nutrients and protein, and they're chronically stunted, which means they're smaller than they should be, and their minds never develop. Uh, they've done uh, scans, CAT scans, and images of a regular child's brain, a three-year-old's brain, and they've compared that to a malnourished child's brain, and that brain is a third smaller physically, and has far less synapses that connect. And so when that happens, when from one to three or conception to three, when you when you don't get enough to eat, you never recover from that no matter how long you live. And so what we're doing at Rise Against Hunger is feeding people because you've got to feed people because they shouldn't go hungry. But we're also trying to keep communities from being threatened by hunger by developing a resiliency that allows them to weather drought and weather the storms that cause hunger. So, so that's a that's that's a lot. So let's break that down a little bit because it sounds like, first of all, I think I think what you're saying is that we, the 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 royal we that we talk of, right. need to think of starvation out of the very limited terms of the bloated tummies and the half Absolutely. emaciated children in the desert. And I think, and I think we know those images because they tug our hearts and it's easy, right? It's easy. And it's like, Oh my God, I see that. Here's my check for something, something dollars a month. I want to stop that. But what you're saying, what you're saying is, is that it's, it's not necessarily it's, it's hunger as opposed to starving in a way, because it's because we have so many people in the world that are hungry, they are not developing into the creative, wonderful, beautiful citizens of the world that they could be because they're hungry, not because they're starving. And and you know that that is that is a a political threat as much as a moral issue. Because when people are hungry, they will follow whoever promises them something other than hunger. And I've, I've attended meetings at the United Nations where they looked at hunger from a geopolitical situation. Uh, so, I mean, it's in our best interest from a very crass understanding for our own protection to help feed the people of the world. And, I mean, uh, I started off my, my uh, career actually working with domestic hunger. For 18 years, I was the founder and co-director of of a group called Society of St. Andrew. And basically, their big project still going on. It's called the Potato Project, where we worked with farmers, and they gave us all the produce they had that they could not sell because it was not pretty enough for the American consumer. Now, there's no such thing as an ugly potato to a hungry person. No. I could tell you stories about that, but but basically after 18 years, I felt my heart being pulled more and more internationally. And so I I left that organization and started Rise Against Hunger. Originally it started as Stop Hunger Now, but uh about 
eight or 10 years ago, we changed the name to Rise Against Hunger because I saw that hunger in the United States is different than hunger internationally. How, and, how so? Yeah, I was hoping you'd answer that. Well, hunger in the United States is real. And a fifth of all children in the United States go to bed hungry. That's a just fifth. the reality of it. A fifth, 20%. And we have millions of Americans that go hungry. But I challenge you to give me the last news report you got either on the internet or on television or in the paper that talked about a person starving in the United States. Or just, Our yeah. Hunger is not, it's not, not sexy. It's, it's, not, it's, it's not sexy. It's not sexy to talk about because we well, look it's in the not mirror. Sexy. But we don't we have the people dying of hunger in the United States. That is true. If it bleeds, and, and, it bleeds. Yes. And internationally, we still have 15 to 20,000 people dying every single day of hunger and hunger-related issues. That's like 10 or 20 jumbo jets crashing into the earth every day. Now, if one jumbo jet goes down, you hear about it on the news for a week. Leads it leads. Oh, yeah. But we have 10 to 20 of them crashing every day full of people, but not literally, but actually dying of hunger. And yet it doesn't make the news because, like you said, it's not sexy. Yeah. But the reality is the suffering is continuous. The suffering is real. And the results is real because we live in a a world that's more impoverished because all those resources, mental resources and gifts that people have aren't being used to their fullest. So, you know, one thing I've, I've talked to several action groups here and, and I have, I have more on the schedule and, and whether it's talking to Mark Bella about one thing, he is the, he's the toilet warrior. He was a, a and he's all about, just having basic sanitation for people. That goes and so, right along with hunger. Well, and that's what I'm about to say. So it's like, because if you have a safe place for a girl to go to the bathroom, then she can stay in school or she's not yep. sexually assaulted if she goes into the woods in the dark to use, right. to try and have privacy to go to the restroom. So it's like, here's this one thing, a toilet. And because of that toilet need, we have all this other stuff. And I'm kind of hearing the same thing from you because we have this hunger issue around the world. We have schooling problems or we have governmental problems or we have basic dignity problems because of this small thing of hunger. Is that that's that exactly right? I want to I want to make a big statement and then I want to break it down, please. Uh, on one of my last trips um, that I made to Africa, I was in five countries and I visited 28 schools where our Rise Against Hunger meals are being fed. And the headmaster or the principal or the head teacher told me the same thing in all 28 schools. And it wasn't scripted. Every one of them said, if we don't feed your meals, the kids will not come to school. If they don't come to school, they don't get an education. And if they don't get an education, it affects the future and the hope of our nation. Now, think about this. Local school leaders could see the 
connection between feeding the kids at school and the future of their country. All right, that's the big statement. What we're doing is changing nations because the basic program we have is nourishing lives, and that's a school feeding program. And it works like this. If you feed kids at school, the enrollment doubles or triples or quadruples and sometimes even quintuples. All right. Wow. That means if you feed kids at school, the these kids in school just can't you can't count them all. All right. When that happens, we know that most of the kids that come to school because of that are girls. Girls yeah. are not allowed to go to school in mo- in so many countries because they're too much a valuable resource for labor at home. Yes. And so they're spent and it's hard for parents to afford to send all their kids to school. So they send the boys. Correct. All right. Yeah. But when girls go to school, let me tell you what happens. It's a miracle. And I can say a miracle. I'm a, I'm a United. That's right. you're, I was going to say, I'm you're a, a minister. You're allowed to I'm say a that. United Methodist minister. So I, <laughs> use the word miracle. I say miracles happen because of our meals at school, because of this, we know that if a girl can learn to read and write. That's three or four years of schooling. Mm-hmm. If a girl can learn to read and write, it cuts the birth rate from over eight kids to under three. Wow. That means a girl will have two or three children rather than eight children. And that means maternal health is dramatically improved because the wear and tear on the woman's body is not so great. All right. We also know that when you feed girls at school and they have five less children, the kid, the children that are born are born larger, they're born healthier, and they infant mortality drops way down because they're just healthier at birth. Those two issues, maternal health and uh, high birth rates, are two of the World Health Organization's leading causes of problems. And so feeding kids at school addresses both of those, but it addresses so much more because when a a girl goes to school and learns to read and write, we know that in some places in sub-Saharan Africa, women make up 80 to 90% of the agricultural labor force, right? And when a girl learns to read and write, it means she, every year that a girl or a young man spends in school in these developing countries, it doubles their income. All right. So if a girl spends three or four years in school, even if that's all she spends, her income is going to be dramatically increased. And we know that when a woman has increased income, that money goes to her children. When a guy, a man earns extra money, some of it might make it home. Some of it might make it to the corner bar. You just Come on, know. guys. Yeah, you, you know, that, <laughs> it, that's takes, it takes two to make a baby. I yeah, mean, that, that's exactly. Right. But the reality is uh, a friend of mine, a Methodist bishop in Kenya, told me, he said, when you educate a boy, you educate a man. And that yes. is good. But when you educate a girl, you educate the entire community because girls, we have a thing in the relief world we call uh, girl power. 
And what yeah. that is, is when you can reach a girl or a young woman, you impact the entire community because they share their knowledge and they work communally where guys don't always do that. And so when you feed meals at school, some people say, well, Rotary is real big on this. We want sustainable programs. Well, mm -hmm. feeding kids at school is as sustainable as you can get because there's going to be new kids every year, right? And they mm -hmm. got to be fed. But when you can get those kids to a place where they're earning twice as much money, they're ha having healthier lives, you, you really are doing something. But our school feeding program is just the introduction to the programs we run. But I'll take a breath here and... I know. I'm like, I'm like, you're making so, but, but so, okay. So you're, those are, those are so many things and I'm sure there's people, cause I know people listen to podcasts mostly in their cars. So take a break, keep your hands on the steering wheel. We're going to, I've got, I've got a lot to break down there also, because I also want to bring in that, that your action group works internationally, but I am a big person on clean your own house before you like right. go, go see how everybody else's house is dirty, you know, do a little dusting before you to put the white glove to somebody else. And especially during this time of COVID, I know things like meals on wheels and food, uh, kid lunch programs and simple things like food stamps and stuff have been dra drastically cut right. or haven't been needed. If a child is not in school, then they're not having that free breakfast, free lunch program. It doesn't mean they're not needed. It's, it doesn't it's mean they're not touche. Yes. So, so are we seeing, have you guys noticed an uptick in the United States over say the last four to five years, especially over the last two years due to COVID? Have you seen a oh, hunger yeah. rise here in the United States? Uh, a lot more people have been pushed into poverty and are impoverished. And so hunger is a growing situation. The food banks that I work with all are indicating they're getting increased demand. Uh, our program, Rise Against Hunger, works in the United States by engaging volunteers. We work with faith groups, Rotary, other civic groups and stuff. We get volunteers to come together for meal packaging events. And basically, we the volunteers package dehydrated meals that are used internationally. Uh, the meals aren't used in the United States unless there's a crisis like a hurricane or something, because the meals are just not as uh, user friendly as uh, pop a top or microwave meals because they have to be boiled. But the, we have engaged millions of volunteers in the United States over the past 20 years in packaging food for the hungry internationally. In fact, I want to talk a little bit so about- So then who do we, so let me let me interrupt you then, Ray, because sure. so Rise Against Hunger is, def, is, is doing greatness, but it's doing greatness internationally, not necessarily in the United States. Is that what I'm that, hearing? That, that's correct, because internationally, hunger is still killing 20,000 people a day, where in the United States, nobody dies of hunger. That's the reason. Uh, okay, John so Wesley said he wanted to do all the good he could in all the places he can, but to do the good where it would do the most good. If I feed somebody in the United States, it alleviates their hunger. Uh, they might be eating one meal a day rather than three. So if I feed them, they might be eating two meals a day rather than three. But if I feed a person internationally, that person 
might be on the verge of starvation. So what I've done is save a life rather than just make somebody more comfortable. Does that make sense? It, it does. And I, and I find it very interesting to use the word make, make them more comfortable. And I, and I, and that was very, see, I, I listened, see, I, I'll tell you, I listen to everything my guests say, because is that, is that why it's not on the headline news? Is it not, you know, is that 20 airplanes crashing, just not sexy and on the news because we are too comfortable and oh, yeah. we have, and it's much easier. It's much easier when it's way over on another continent, as opposed to down the street. Well, that's that's part of it. We we are very complacent because we're we are we're uh, at the point where we've got a lot more than we need. And we're spoiled, in other words. I'll say very, the word. They can spoiled. send me the hate mail. And you know, <laughs> the, the real situation is a lot of the poor in our country are far better off than even the well-to-do in foreign countries. Uh, and I think that. And hold on a sec. So. Even the poorest in our country are better than some of the richest in other developing countries. Yes, that's that's true. And uh, that that's a, that's again, I, you know, like take a deep breath for all my listeners that, you know, I mean, we've all I mean, I remember my early days in college and whatever living on popcorn, cup ramen of noodles, noodles yeah. ramen noodles, baby. Boy, I had those. You could used yep. to be able to get like six for a buck, you know, yep. <laughs> and you know, and now, I mean, but I never in my life ever cared about if I had a place to sleep per se. And I know that that's actually gone on the yeah. increase, but I always had something. It may not have been the right. most nutritious, but I always had something. And there was yeah. also a government system, whether I can agree to disagree on some of the some of the subsidies we have in the United States, we actually have some subsidies in the United States, like I spoke of Meals on Wheels. And well, see, that's part of the safety net that we have in this country. Every church almost has a pantry, a food mm-hmm. pantry. There's Meals on Wheels. There's social program like the SNAP program. You're talking about food stamps and governmental programs on the local level, on the county right. level, on the state level, on the you know, federal level, and all of those help provide for those that need help. And mm-hmm. that's a wonderful thing. There's nothing wrong with that. But basically, internationally, that there's those. There is no exist. food stamps. There is no. That's you know, exactly right. Right. But one of the things I wanted to say when we were talking about it is our the way we use volunteers. We we started packaging meals for the hungry in 2005. And I, I'm I'm happy to be a Rotarian. I'm proud to say I'm a Rotarian. Um, but I feel there's a but coming. <laughs> since we started in 2005, we have packed Rotarians have packed over 31 million meals. 31 wow. with six zeros. That's just Rotarians alone. At Rotary events at Rotary uh, joining other events, but Rotarians have played such a huge part in what we do. And, you know, I joined Rotary because of the motto. Uh, For me, service above self says it all. And, you know, when you see Rotarians standing shoulder to shoulder, packing meals for the hungry, it means something. My last trip 
that I did before COVID locked me down. I was um, in uh, Malaysia where we have an office and they were going to pack meals at an event at a resort city south. And we flew down there and we had a staff and we had four or 500 volunteers packing meals in in Malaysia to distribute in Malaysia because the need is great there. And one part during the packing, we've gotten all the, the boxes packed, wrapped on pallets, and we took them out to the dock. And there were 12 Rotarians from the local Rotary groups in Malaysia that were taking these meals that had just been packed minutes earlier, and they were going to distribute it to the poor and the hungry in their local communities. That makes you feel good. That's that international connection that you have in Rotary. You know, they didn't know I was there. I didn't know they were there, but we had a good old Rotary get together, you know, a lot of lot of Rotary hugs when they realized that, you know, I was the founder of Rise Against Hunger and we were distributing these meals. But that to me, for Rotary to be worldwide and everyone in Rotary has that understanding that it's service above self. And to me, there, there could be no greater group than a group that understands that because that's what it's all about. That ties right into my faith. It ties into everything. It's about what we do, not what we say. And Rotary does it. You know, Rotary is where the rubber hits the road. Wherever you find Rotarians, you're going to find them providing necessary service in their community. Uh, well, and that is... Tangent, I got to ask you then, because you are a worldwide action group and it, and it's funny and I'll interrupt myself by saying we usually have a question about service above self and what it means to you. And we usually have a question of what is a, a motivating uh, story that you always think of and smile. And, and I don't even have to ask those questions because you just knocked both of those off with that last with that last little story. So thank you. You're making well, you my know, job there's easy. All, there's also, you can't talk about Rudy without talking about laughter. Well, that, that's true. That and so true. I've, I've got a I've got a funny thing I was thinking about the other day. Years ago, must have been ten years ago, I was visiting uh, Rotary in uh, South Africa and Zimbabwe and uh, Zaire, um, Zaire, and we went to Zimbabwe across the bridge from Zambia to. Zimbabwe to visit a brand new Rotary group. They were just, they were just forming and it, everybody, you know, I went with the president of the Rotary group from Livingston, uh, Zambia. And we went across the bridge and went through customs and, you know, went to the meeting and it was a lunch meeting and they were all so proud of everything they were doing because they're brand new group, you know, just wanting to do everything right. And so the Sergeant of Arms got up and I want you to know, he charged every Rotarian there with some offense so they would pay a fine. All right. And I was thinking, boy, some of our sergeant of arms can learn from that. And then I thought he was finished. And he said, and now, Mr. Buchanan, if you'll stand up, you're a guest. And I said, well, what 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 is happening here? And I stood up. He said, you're a guest and you have embarrassed us greatly because what? you brought you brought a banner to our group and we don't have banners yet. And so as a as a charge for your embarrassment, 
I'm going to charge you 10 US dollars. Now, all the, the thing that was so good about that is all the fines he was living on the uh, other, other right. were the equivalent of 25 cents. I think one person got a 50 cent fine, 10 cents. I mean, it would, they were, you know, that's an impoverished country. And even though it was impoverished, Rotary has to be run according to Rotary rules and you, you've got to make money. And so they were charging, I, I guess he might've collected $2 in all the fines he collected. And it came to me, he didn't pull any punches. He said, you embarrassed us. So your fine is $10 US. <laughs> and I'll never forget that. I said, now there is a politician. There is somebody who knows what they're doing. Yes, but, but was- sir, did you pay it? Oh, of course I paid it. <laughs> you know, I mean, that, that to me, that was one of the best rotary experiences I've had. Without missing a beat, he did that. And all the people there knew it. I mean, they all knew what value was worth. And so I just said, touche, well done, well there done. There you go. Yep. Well, so tell us, you know, so one, the sergeant of arms is not dead. I mean, I know a lot of clubs don't have him anymore, but, you know, I, I, I think there is a certain fabulous piece of history in our Sergeant of Arms. Uh, my my new relationship with the Sergeant of Arms is now the Sergeant of Arms. Uh, since we don't necessarily do fines in our group anymore, our Sergeant of Arms is now our Zoom producer. Okay. And is in charge of making sure all that stuff. So who knows? Well, the, the Sergeants of Arms may rise again. But I have another question for you. And sure. that is we've, we've bounced around uh, a little bit with, you know, how you started it, what raise rise for um, rise against hunger is, but how big is it? Like you said, I know before we went on the podcast today, you said you had several offices, like how, how large is rise for hunger? How big of an action group? Well, are you? Rise against hunger's uh, international headquarters is in Raleigh, North Carolina. And we have not had a physical office since COVID shut us down. Okay. And so, but we have at least, uh, uh, I would say across the United States, we probably have 60 to 90 people working. We have offices in Atlanta and New York and Orlando and all across L.A. and San Francisco where we do these volunteer meal packaging events in regional areas. But we have five international offices. We call them affiliates or partners. There's there's one in South Africa. There's one in Italy. There's one in India, there's one in Malaysia, and there's one in the Philippines. And so basically, these are rise against hunger in their country. I didn't, I never wanted to plant a flag in all the countries we work in. We've worked in 76 different countries. Around wow. But we never opened an office in any of these countries because we could do all the work in those countries through partners, through people okay. already on the ground, partner agencies, implementing partners. But when when the meal packaging with the volunteers took off and we were packaging millions of meals in the United States, all of a sudden, some of our volunteers in South Africa said, why can't we package these meals here? Well, we said, well, do you have the raw ingredients? Do you have the resources? Can you, you know, source everything? And they could. And so they wanted to start packaging meals in South Africa for South Africa which saves a heck of a lot of money not to have to ship them from the United States. Absolutely. So we opened it and it just continues to grow even till today. And then so 
one popped up in Italy, one popped up in Malaysia, one popped up in India, one popped up in Philippines. And what's happening, it's the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. In the Philippines, for example, our office in the Philippines went to an area, an impoverished area, and said to the farmers, we package these meals. We need dehydrated vegetables. If you'll grow these vegetables for us, we will guarantee to buy them. We'll give you a contract. And so ah. a lot of a lot of farmers started growing food. We got two or three hundred farmers in that area growing crops. They built a dehydrating plant, and all the crops they grow are dehydrated. Rise Against Hunger buys them and puts them in meals that go back into the community. It's a full circle. And they've done so much in the Philippines, they've been asked to join the Global Food Bank Network. They've opened two or three food banks. India is doing the same thing. They've got like five locations in India now. We can't keep up with what all of our affiliates are doing. And we're not leading it from the United States. They are leading it from their own countries. We start with one person in the office, and now they've got 10 or 15 staff and just doing stuff countrywide. Well, and I think this is I think this is the issue that doesn't get talked enough about about action groups is that in the title, like in your title, which is, you know, the the Rise Against Hunger Action Group. I think we as Rotarians and whoever is listening to this podcast get, oh, they're just about hunger. And I and I don't want to say just, but yeah. what you're describing to me is yeah. is cross pollination that you're well, like it, helping with 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 nate prenatal care and yeah. you're helping with education well, and you're helping with the other seven or eight areas got, of focus we've got four pathways and i let me enumerate them a little bit because it'll help first is our nourishing lines that's the meal packaging program i talked to right that the meals go to schools because we think that if we can start working in a local school that's a key to open the community Basically, right. So there's Rotarian. So there's the focus of education in Rotarian. There's, there's the focus there's, of education. Once right. you start working in a community with the community, I mean, the school, you work with community leaders that opens the door to community. And I'll tell you a beautiful story about that in a minute. The second is our responding to emergencies. Whenever there's a typhoon, a, a tsunami or earthquake or something, we're right there providing millions of meals that's needed each right then to save lives. And do you work with Shelterbox by chance? We we have worked with Shelterbox. I'm very okay. aware of them. Now, the third is our empowering communities pathway. All right. Okay. When you start working in schools, it opens the door to the community. Once you start working in schools and sit, people see what you're doing in schools, they will ask you, will you please come into the community and help us? And that has allowed us to do some of the most wonderful things. And here's where I want to tell you the story. We first started distributing um, meals at a school in southern South Sudan. We looked at the school and realized that we could do more there than just provide meals. So we talked to the leaders and said, would you be willing to start a school garden? and start working to make the school self-sufficient so you won't need our meals. They said, can't be done. Never has happened. We've tried and tried, can't be done. So we sent three or four of our staff there to do farmer training, 
and we got a, a half a dozen women and it's always women that take that first step, you know, so mm -hmm. empowering women is a big, big deal for us. They started growing the food. They were so successful that people in the community said, can you teach us what you're doing? Mm -hmm. And now after fully growing for one year and getting ready to start their second year, they feel by the end of this year, they will be completely sufficient in their staple grain crop, which is maize. Never believed it was possible. And we've got double the number of people that want to do it in the community, the, you know, those farming practices and what have you, because they see it works. Right. And it started with meals to schools, then school gardening, and now community gardening, and it spreads out to where you impact an entire region, all because you delivered meals at school to start with. And you know, I mean, and I and I think that's I think that's one thing that people. I mean, I'm always pushing people to uh, to take advantage of of um, action groups more and more all the time, fellowships and and action groups, and it it is amazing to me how people that that, that kind of like don't think about all the other implications of what an action group is doing. Sure. I mean, because what you've just described to me is economic development. We already talked about prenatal development. We've already talked about education. We've already talked about housing. We've already talked. And so it's like it your one action group, whether it says it's for hunger or we talked to another one a couple of weeks ago about about trafficking, about modern right. slavery. And it was like, don't let the title fool you. We're doing that. And, and, and so then here's my question. Since there's so much, and do the action groups work together? Do the action groups feed off each other? Cause there's, there's part of me that's so excited about interviewing all these action groups. And there's another part of me saying, well, Hey, what happens if you, Put your put your talents together and cross pollinate. Yeah, I, I, I think there is some uh, collaboration going on. I do not know how much. Um, I actually misunderstood your question about action group, and we are not an official Rotary action group. Okay. Okay. But I think we should become one, <laughs> and I'll try to do that uh, at the next international convention coming up. We will be there. Uh, it, it's in Houston, right? Yep. I think uh, we're we rise against hunger. will be there. We might be packing meals. I hope so. We've done that in the past at international conventions, but we will have a booth there and be glad to talk to any action groups who want to collaborate. We would love to collaborate. And I think there could be a lot of very fruitful collaboration if we work together. But we, you know, we'll have a booth and we're willing to talk to any body about anything for as long as you want. <laughs> I mean, but, you know, that's what conventions are for. But the, the reality is, I cannot tell you how much impact Rotary has had on behalf of the hungry by mm -hmm. what we've already done. And, you know, that can only grow. And that that's what thrills me about our partnership with Rotary. It's a natural, like you said, we touch every point. And it's not that we went down the list and said, how do we check this off? It's just what we're doing. Right. And so, you know, you, you, you can really make a difference by, by being a Rotarian and by being a part of Rise Against Hunger.
I I'm a little blown away. So I want to I I I'm well, 31 million meals kind of stopped me, but I do have, I have one more question for you. And sure. I thank you for taking so much time out oh, today. No and I, and thank you for the correction about the action group. And I know there's quite a few action groups that listen. So look him up, Houston, not that far away. Go, Absolutely. go meet Mr. Ray, please. I keep calling him Mr. Ray. You know why uh-huh. I have to tell you, I keep calling you Mr. Ray because for like 20 some odd years, I have worked with inventor and futurist, a gentleman named Ray Kurzweil. Okay. And he's a, he's a wonderful man and he's a dear friend, but because of all of his amazing technological advancements that he's made to the world, I've always called him Mr. Ray. And so now, now anybody that I meet named Ray, I always say, well, hello, Mr. Ray. Well, I'm (laughs) glad you, I'm glad you've been calling me Mr. Ray because internationally when I travel uh, especially in Africa and India and in Southeast Asia, they often, um, in fact, majority of time use my first name and it's Mr. Ray. I'm introduced as Mr. Ray as much as I'm introduced as anything else. And I like it. I think it's an honor. <laughs> and I appreciate well, you calling me that. Well, yeah, I was going to say, well, look up Ray Kurzweil. You might be uh, very excited. You know, oh, yes. he's, he's quite he's quite a guy. So absolutely. So um I will. I have one more question for you, and that is: tomorrow morning you wake up, right? And and hunger is gone, like it's gone. Everybody's tummies are full. We have we have reached saturation point, right? What do you think from if tomorrow everybody is fed and everybody is safe? What is the next five years in the future look like? Now that all those people are are fed and if, all those if people hunger, are... uh, the 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 Spanish poet Federico Lorca had a saying. He said, "When hunger is eradicated from the earth, there'll be the greatest spiritual explosion that the world has ever seen." And I totally agree with that. And for me. When hunger is eliminated, and even the United Nations says it should be done in the next 30 years. Wow, that's when, nice. When, when, the, when hunger is eradicated, I'm going to take a day off. <laughs> <laughs> Just one day. Just one day. Just one day. Let's not There's be a lot picky. of work to be done, but I'll, I'll take a day off, you know. Okay. Until then, sir, you're working every day, Mr. Ray, uh, to make the world a little bit less hungry. And I thank you so much for taking the time today to to chat with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. You, you've got a great program and I enjoyed being on. And anytime you need somebody to fill in, give me a call. Oh, well, there you go. And hey, I might actually give you a call and I'll, and I'll put this to a tease to all my listeners out there. It has come up in conversation. Um, about the separation of rotary and religion and and you had said to us that you are an ordained uh minister and we've had a couple other ordained ministers on the show that have definitely been able to separate their life uh at the pulpit and their life at the local country club so can you come back on the show and we can talk a little bit love love to talk about that talk about rotary and religion because uh i i and i'll and i'll i have a a couple other clergymen in mind that i'd like to invite do a panel do a panel yeah yeah. that'd be be so 
we have a, we have a, in fact, we even have a, a couple, um, you know, I, I know of one rabbi. So I think we could have a little bit of an international kind of look at mm-hmm. religion and rotary. Cause I think, I think people misunderstand that rotary isn't religious, but it definitely, um, you could do goods work, good work. And if you want to call it God's work, that's your own personal opinion, but you do definitely do good work in well, rotary. Is that fair you know, to say? G- Jesus said, you give them something to eat. When the disciples came and said, look at all these hungry people. He said, you give them something to eat. And so everything I've done in my life with hunger is based on listening, following a command of Jesus. You know, to be a disciple, you have to do what he says, not just listen. And so what he said was, you give them something to eat. And if we're not doing that, I, don't, I question whether we can call ourselves disciples. So... Well, there you go. All right. So, so let's so let's take that up on another conversation. We'll I think do it. amazing. In the meantime, we've been talking hunger, and I would love I would love to sponsor you for a uh, uh, dinner on that day that that you uh, take off because everybody's fed. Dinner's on me, and we'll do like a multi course thing. Okay. Sounds good. I'll, I'll take you up on that. All right. Sounds Thank like a Thank you plan. so much, Gwen. I really appreciate it. You do a great job. Thank you so much. Take care. Uh, thank you, Mr. Ray, as I like to call you. It was a pure joy to hear you talk today. And I, it's a pure joy to know that there are so many Rotarians working around the world to stop hunger and starvation. And hey, next time you think of hunger and starvation... Expand your brain. Expand what that really means. Expand what it means not only locally, regionally, internationally, governmentally, if that's even a word. I mean, come on. There's more to hunger than just an empty tummy. And yes, I believe in absolutely separation of church and rotary, but I'm going to put a pin in that conversation about the many clergy that call them proudly Rotarians. I mean, let's face it, you guys, that's their job. My father was a minister and that was his job. He was also a teacher, an actor, and a long time ago, a deputy sheriff. So his job is clergy His belief is hungry people should be fed, and he is a proud Rotarian. And now, Ray Buchanan is my friend. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. If you know somebody that should be on my podcast, please let me know, rotarianpod at gmail.com. Please tell others about the podcast. Have them download and rate us. That makes it easy for us to find. And if you want to get in touch with my more musical side, Check me out every week on Rotary Radio UK. All right, then, until next week, take care of yourself and the world around you, and I'll hear you next time on the I'm a Rotarian podcast. Have a wonderful week, everybody.